When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. It's Friday, December 3rd, 2021. I'm Maggie Lake. Here with me today is Jim Bianco of Bianco Research. And Jim, oh, an ugly end to the week here. We saw a real rout in tech stocks. The Nasdaq, I'm just looking, coming back a little bit, but it was down 400 for most of the afternoon. Um, a loss of around 2%. Russell down over 2.5%. Down S&P down. And meanwhile, the action not just limited to stocks, the Treasury, uh, U.S. Treasury yields curve flattening, the 10-year dipping to 1.35%. I know you're watching that. And Bitcoin down 6%. What's going on here? Yeah, it's a good thing that uh, Wall Street decided it was a good payroll number. We might have had a bad day uh, <laughs> as well. But <clears throat> I, you know, I think it, you've got a lot of things coming together, and none of them are good. I think Omicron is already... The damage is already done with Omicron. You don't need to talk to a virologist. All you need to do is look at what's happening, especially in Europe. They're locking down. They're restricting their economy. It's going to get worse. If you look at the case counts in Europe, they're at an all-time high. And the expectation in the United States is we're going up a lot, too. And we're probably going to slap on economic restrictions in the coming weeks. We're going to get worse. Inflation has not peaked at this point. It might peak in the next few months, but it's probably destined to get worse. The ports, I, I'll be very blunt with you. They're manipulating the numbers with the ports and everybody's buying into it. It's It might be the worst it's ever been today. Uh, I can explain that a little bit later. And you're seeing that in the markets. And the, probably the tell is the yield curve. The yield curve is flattened. The two-year, 10-year yield curve is flattened 25 basis points since Paul said time to retire transitory inflation. That's the biggest flattening in at least 10 years. That is a major signal. Yeah, and, and Jim, just for people who don't watch the bond market all the time, because I, you know, I, I know a lot of people plug in; they have their stock portfolio on their phone. That is a huge move in the bond market. Yeah, as I said, you got to go back to 2011 to find the last time it's moved. And in fact, I'll go you one step further. I think if you ask me, what's the most significant thing that Paul has said in his four years as Fed chairman was Tuesday when he said it's time to retire transitory inflation because the bond market's move has been massive. Now, I understand the stock portfolio crowd goes, well, you're talking about the 10-year yields down. Yes, but look at what short rates are doing. They're mm -hmm. going up. The market is pricing at least three rate hikes for next year, possibly four. The first one starting in May, maybe March. March is coming into the picture. And now go ask a Wall Street economist. No, 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 that's not right. There's going to be one, maybe two rate hikes. The market gets its way. It will get its way. It has decided there is an inflation problem. It wants the Fed to get very aggressive. That's why it's pricing in three, maybe four rate hikes for next year. And why are long rates rallying? Because the Fed's going to kill inflation. And why are stocks struggling? Because they might kill the economy as well, too. So they're in a bad situation. Do nothing. Inflation runs out of control. Policy mistake. Fight inflation. Might kill the economy. Policy mistake. And I think that that's what's showing up in the market. And lurking behind this is Omicron. It came at the worst time. 
Yeah, but that, that, that's a great point that they're in, they're in a tough spot. The bond market forcing the Fed's hand, bond vigilantes, remember them? Are they back? I thought they were dead. I thought they were dead, too, but they do seem to be back. And what is surprising everybody is the world has decided the bond market is one yield, a 10-year yield, and it's going down. What is shocking is that short-term interest rates are soaring in these markets. Now, they weren't supposed to. But central banks are supposed to control short-term interest rates. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to be fixed. They're supposed to give you forward guidance, tell you long in advance when they're going to rise. But instead, <coughs> short-term interest rates have gotten away from them. And you're starting to see it in macro hedge funds reporting disastrous Octobers and so far disastrous Novembers as well, too. They've been playing for the curve steepening. They've been playing the carry trade on the front end of the curve. And those trades are blowing up in their face right now. Two-year notes on its track for its worst total return in history this year. It's never lost money. It's never had a total return loss in history. It's down significantly um, through the through December 3rd. We only got three more weeks to go. Five-year note, only 1994 was worse. It's very bad on the front end of the curve. And again, what is it pricing in? If, whether you like it or not, the Fed's raising rates in May. That's what the market thinks. And the Fed might raise rates in March because they're going to speed up the taper. So they're going to be done in March, which makes... Uh, which makes March available. Now, it's very possible that they might stop fairly soon. A lot of people have pointed out, but the terminal rate for the market is 175. That means that the highest, everybody thinks that the funds rates could go is 175. Doesn't that mean that the market thinks inflation is not a problem? No, I think what it means is 175 is enough to kill the economy. And that this over-levered economy can't handle high rates. Two and three-eighths in 2018 and 19 pretty much caused all kinds of problems with the repo market and everything else. And we're even more over-leveraged now than we were in 2018 after COVID. Yeah, Jim, I want to talk about some—we have so much to unpack there. But, but when you said well, if funds are on the wrong side of that trade, if they got that wrong and they're getting killed again, what are the are there repercussions from that? I mean, if you're getting killed someplace else— you know, traditionally, when we've seen that, people have to sell their winners. They have to liquidate stuff, even if they don't want to, um, because of because of misjudging on that. W would you expect that to put a you know to to have some ripple effect? Yes, and they're selling they're selling the trades that they didn't want to sell. They're short long bond positions, and that's I think one of the reasons why you've seen such a giant downward move in long term mm -hmm. interest rates. This yield curve thing is I want to emphasize again. There is an indicator that has got a 100% track record of being right in calling economic downturns, and that is an inverted yield curve. We're not mm -hmm. inverted now, but we're pancaking as hard as we've seen in the last decade with the yield curve. All on transitory should be retired. And if this keeps up, that will become the narrative, I think, in the coming months, is whether or not this market is foreshadowing a, a, a downturn. By the way, 100% track record in calling a downturn, and economists have a 100% track record of telling you when the yield curve inverts, this time it won't lead to a recession. And <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. I, 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 we certainly heard that before, and we think of, we hear all kinds of explanations about why that's happening. Um, right. do, do you think it's? Are we at the point where it's it's signaling there's a potential for recession, or would you have to see it invert to, to be that concerned about growth? <clears throat> no, it's not signaling recession right now. But you got to say it's heading in the wrong direction. Yeah. Massive flattening of the yield curve combined with falling stocks uh, is a problem, and especially the way the yield curve is flattening, too, because it's, a, it's much about short rates. Look, the, the two-year note has had its biggest four-day rise since March of 2020. 
um, in the last four days since Powell retired, transitory as well, too. So you've got short rates going up, you got long rates going down. And when you've got that, where you've got both ends moving up, most of the time, the yield curve, they both move in the same direction. Just one end moves faster than the other. But when they move in opposite directions like that, it's usually a big tell that there's a rethink going on in the market. And I think that rethink is inflation. I know that the consensus has been that inflation is transitory. Even after Powell retired the word, the consensus seems to be it's still transitory, even though they've been dead ass wrong all year. And I think the market is looking at inflation and saying it's a problem. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying it's going to 9%. I'm saying that it's probably not going to go below three. And that's mm. a problem over mm. the next couple of years. It's not about it peaking in the next couple of years, uh, months. It will. It's about how fast it's going to fall. The answer is not very. And that's what's got the market worried. And that's why they think the Fed has to respond to it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, are you, some people say that they don't like to get fixed on transitory. By the way, I heard him, uh, I was driving in the car, listening to the testimony and heard him say that and thought I misheard because rarely are they so blunt and, and you see such a turnaround um, in the language. So I think so many people that, that caught so many people by surprise because it was just, you know, so direct done. And now we're, now we're dealing with the, the fallout from it. Um, yeah, can I jump in and just say, I yeah. think, <laughs> yes, he was very blunt and that he just did a complete about face when nobody expected it. And the, the idea here is that they've looked at the numbers and they know that in the next couple of months, the inflation data is going to continue to get worse. We've got, you know, a six handle on headline inflation, a four handle on core. Maybe we could see seven and five in the next month or two. Uh, if you look at auto prices, they had a giant leap forward in November, rising used car prices rose as much as 5% just in one month um, as well, too. So I think that there we were, they were worried. And also what he said is it's not going back to two anytime soon. And mm. that's a problem for a 135 10-year note. Yeah. Also, you know, uncharacteristically clear and concise from Fed officials who kind of have mastered the art of, of saying nothing. Um, you know, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about a couple of different asset classes, but it was really interesting. We saw um, this on Real Vision uh, actually out today. Jared Dillian sat down with Simon Mikalovich and they talked about the psychology driving the market. Let's have a listen to what they had to say. What is manipulated here are incentives and confidence, not the actual markets. I mean, yes, of course, the markets are manipulated, but you can't manipulate the market without manipulating confidence and manipulating incentives. You, want, you need people to want to do certain things, even though those things don't make sense. Like, is it rational to buy Shibu Inu coin? Well, on the one hand, it's irrational because it's, it's a joke. On the other hand, it's rational because it's it's a tradable asset that's going up and, you know, people want to make money on something that's going up. And real rates are negative 5%. And real rates are negative 5%. So, you know, so what we are observing cannot be divorced. You cannot say, oh, it doesn't make sense, but it's going on and therefore it will continue to go on forever. So my experience with unsustainable systems, my personal experience, is that they go on and they go on and they go on much longer than anybody thought they, that Soviet Union, let's say, would go to the point where when it collapsed on a Christmas Eve, 
Not a single uh, foreign intelligence agency, I mean, the Western Security Service, has predicted it. After predicting it, quote unquote, or expecting it for 70 years, they actually didn't see it coming. And so my answer to what you're saying is, whatever happens to stop this, we won't see it coming. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Kind of chilling in there. As I said, that interview out today and available on Essential Plus and Pro Tiers. Jim, are we in a, a risk off environment now? I think we are in a risk-off environment, and I think that, you know, when Simon was talking about manipulation, you see it all over the place. President Biden came out today and basically bragged his manipulation of the crude oil market by releasing strategic petroleum reserves, 50 million barrels, pushed down the price. Maybe it had more to do with Omicron and the fear of uh, demand getting hit than that, but he's taking—he's bragging he manipulated the market. We all demand that the Fed manipulate the markets mm -hmm. as well, too. We always want markets manipulated. And let me give you one other example. I teased it earlier, the ports. The uh, administration has identified the ports as the biggest problem is the number of ships anchored offshore. So how'd they fix it? They told them three weeks ago to go 200 miles offshore, and then they stopped counting them as anchored. And then they come out and say, look, there's no more ships out there that are uh, anchored, so the problem's getting better. They removed all the empty containers out of, out of Los Angeles port. And they said, look, the number of containers is going down. So they say the data is getting better. But if you actually go back and uh, FreightWaves does this uh, and count what the number of ships that are waiting to be unloaded, it's at a record high today. It is not getting better. It's getting worse. Now, it's not going to be getting worse forever, but it's not getting better right now. And so we're going to continue to have a supply crunch, at least for the next month or two, if not longer, and that's going to push into inflation too, because we're manipulating the data. You want to see the supply prices go away? Move the ships out of the, at San Pedro Bay. There, it went away. Hey, they're still mm -hmm. out there, but you don't see them. So we've manipulated the data, and you're happy, and you could then come out and say the supply chain is getting better when it's not. Yeah, and I think people kind of sense that. I mean, we we feel that things are not where they are, and fixing something that's that huge and complicated and interconnected, it stands to reason that it's going to take time, it's going to take money. I want, I want to ask you, we're getting a lot of questions um, about, about the action going on and the fact that, so we see stocks selling off, we see Bitcoin down again, and we're getting a lot of questions about that. Amuchir asking on the exchange, is it a good time to buy the dip in crypto? What do you make of the decline we're seeing? And, and would you be stepping in here? Well, let me start with that. I'm finding it highly frustrating. And the reason I'm finding it frustrating is when does crypto seem to have a bad day? When the stock market has a bad day. Remember, we made a new low um, for the move. <clears throat> We're down 4% in a little over a week in the stock market. And crypto sells off. So if you're asking me the question, is it a good time to buy crypto? Are you also asking me the question, is the stock market bottomed and is it going to rally? Because if that's what crypto is going to be, as a super high beta version of the stock market, that's really disappointing. I would expect it to be something more zero correlated to the stock market, as opposed to every time it freaks out, or nearly every time it freaks out, 
you can attach a bad day in the equity market to it as well, too. So I don't know if it's a good time to buy it because I'm afraid, and we can talk about this a little bit more, sell-off in the stock market's not done. You can make a case that it can bottom without the stock market bottoming, then you can buy it. But boy, it just is so frustrating that when I watch the stock market go down, I look at my crypto quotes, and I'm like, they look like the stock market as well, too. Uh, Bill, Bill asked, yeah, that, that, that is frustrating. Bill asked, Bill T asked, if Fed rate hikes are around the corner, why stick around in crypto in anything? Well, crypto is supposed to be the anti-financial system. Crypto is supposed to be the place that you're supposed to hide. If the financial system is going to have a problem, what do you do? You hide in something that is outside the financial system. Mm-hmm. Prior to crypto, that was gold. Although gold is not a perfect exit of the financial system, it was the best we had. But now you got crypto. So in theory, in theory, if things are going to get messy in financial markets, traditional financial markets, the alternative financial market in cryptos is the place you should go. But in reality, it's not been the case. And that's mm. what's made it so frustrating. Yeah, it is. And when you look at the things that are down, right, we're seeing big tech names getting her DocuSign down 40% today. We saw DD did list. Is it, 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 does it seem like Bitcoin or, or cryptos are acting as risk assets in portfolios where people may be holding some of these other high flyers or mega cap Tesla? We see that stock's been down, what, 16% in the last month. Is that where the correlation is? Is that why we see them moving in tandem because of who's buying them or who's investing in it? Yeah, very well could be. And, you know, and you, you kind of mentioned all those stocks and we danced around the name of, you know, Kathy Wood and ARC. Oh, God, uh, what's been happening to her funds as well, too. Uh, but what it is, is the most speculative elements in the financial mm-hmm. market, the high flying tech stocks are getting smacked because a lot of people are exiting that speculation right now because they're worried. Let me Tell you but what they're I'm not going about. to Bitcoin. That's what's interesting. That's what you're talking about. They're not exiting yet, the speculation, but where are they going? I don't. Uh, they're going to cash, obviously, because yep. they're just not going anywhere um, right now. Let me offer you an idea of why why this is happening. Omnicron. I said before the damage has already been done. What is the damage? Like it or not, here's how policy works in the developed world. Cases go up. Politicians panic. Economies get locked down and they're hurt. Cases went up in Europe. Politicians panicked. They're locking down. Portugal has been my um, tell. 87% of the population of Portugal is vaxxed. If you take out under five years old, it's in the mid 90s. Cases are going up. They're locking down. Now, cases in Europe are at a record. Usually, when one area, Europe or the United States, spikes, the other follows. The concern here is by January, we're going to be near all-time highs in cases. What's going to be our response? Well, I'll give you, an, I'll give you a tell. Uh, two days ago, Greg Ip wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal, and he said, when economies get locked down for COVID, they suffer. Seems to me that that was an obvious statement. Ron Klain, the White House chief of staff, retweeted that with a comment that this is wrong. When we lock down the economy, it gets better. Really? When what? we send everybody home and we get in the basement, I, I, I it gets better. I can't imagine that, 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 that was not an error. I mean, we just no, yeah, I mean, what happens. 
Yeah, or or you know, it probably wasn't Ron Klain. It was probably his media head of social media, you know, twenty two year old in in the closet that that tweeted that. But the fact of the matter is, he just told me that when cases go up, they're going to send us all home, and they're going to say this is going to make the economy better. Eh, you could maybe argue in a couple of years, but first second quarter, if we do that like they're doing in Europe, like mm. they're doing, and remember. Portugal's got 87%. Every European country's got a higher vax rate than the U.S., and they're locking down left and right. We need people going back to work. We need more truck drivers. We need more supply chain workers. We need more production workers. Mm. And what are we doing right now? We're telling them not to do it. We're telling them to be afraid of Omicron. We're, get, we're restricting them all over the place. Cases are moving up in Asia, too. What yeah. if they lock down? Then the Asian trade is going to be... That's what the market's worried about. Now, well, and to be clear, I, 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 we, we certainly there's no suggestion that we're locking down yet. And I, I don't know that there have been major lo- there's discussions of them, certainly. But this is anticipating no, the problem, right? That This is the fear that this might happen. I tweeted out a couple hours ago a chart of the case counts in Europe and the case counts in the United States. When one spikes, the other spikes. Now, sometimes Europe leads, sometimes the United States leads. But when one spikes and Europe spiked to a new record, Today, a new record today. The other one is expected to spike. So the U.S. just went through 100,000 cases. And let me emphasize, I know whenever I say this, I get frustrated. People say hospitalizations, treatments, none of that matters. This is about uh, politicians panicking and telling you to put on a mask and hide in the basement. That's Mm -hmm. all they know how to do. And so so we just went through 100,000 cases in the U.S. We're going straight up. We're at a two-month high. Europe's at 250,000 cases a day. And they're about the same population as us. The concern is when we get into January, we're going to be at 200,000 cases a day. And then what are they going to do about it? Well, Klain told me, we're going to fix the economy by sending everybody back into the basement. Oh, if you want to do that, you're going to make everything worse is what you're going to wind up doing. Um, I know people say we have to learn to live with it. It's endemic. Look, I agree with you. But that's not the thinking of politicians. The yeah, let, of politicians let's see. I, I anticipate having all been through it once before that it's going to be a lot tougher um, to do that. And there's going to be a lot more robust discussion, if not outright, you know, sparring over that. W- w- Want to ask a but question? We need We've got people a to go back to work now. We need you right. to get back to work now. You're finding a reason to stall that. And that's not good. That's why right. today's payroll number was kind of irrelevant. Because now that we've got Omicron, if we do by January see a big spike in cases, we could be in a completely different employment environment uh, yeah. if that's what if that's what happens. In fact, this was this was an employment report, the, the first one I can remember in a long time that literally everyone looked through it because of what had happened with the Fed, because of what we're seeing with the variant. A couple of questions coming in, uh, Jim, from Hector and from uh, Ron. What are your thoughts on euro dollar futures? This is from Ron Curve inverting this week, Hector, and its significance with the euro dollar yield curve. Yeah, it's it's telling us that the Fed's going to move faster rather than slower. It's telling us that the consensus call that yeah, you know, June to September be the first rate hike and maybe a second one in December is not aggressive enough. That the market is somewhere different from that right now. I've used the analogy that the markets in the euro dollar curve would be exactly is a horse and the Fed is a post and the horse is tethered to the post. And as long as it's not spooked, it stands there wherever the Fed wants to put the post. But when the market gets spooked, it will rip the post right out of the ground and do whatever it wants to do. And that's what you've got to be careful of is that the horse, the markets, the 
the inverted euro dollar curve might be getting ready to tear that post out of the ground. Jay, I don't care what you think, this is what you're going to do, is what the markets are very close to telling it right now. And it, that's going to be very difficult for them to basically fight against. It's really a wide gulf between what the Fed says, what the economists think, and what the markets are pricing. The markets are way more aggressive than where economists in the Fed are right now. Yeah, that, that, that there is a disconnect because I hear it all the time. You look at the price action, then you hear economists. By the way, the economists also completely split on so many right now in, in the analyst community, at least the, the traditional one, about what's going on. Um, whether it's rates, Fed, inflation, growth. I mean, you're hearing, you know, the, the forecasts are all over the place. Um, a question back to crypto. We were talking about Bitcoin before. A couple of questions about um, Ethereum. Uh, someone asking, you know, are, are you, why are you positive on it? Why add it to your Twitter handle? And then others asking, do you think Ethereum will replace payment companies like Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Square? That's a bit of a longer term question, I think. But do you see the crypto... Um, market moving in tandem. They're, they're all reacting and moving with stocks. Do they all move together in reaction? Or do you see any differentiation right now, say, between Bitcoin and, and Ethereum? Well, first of all, um, I am a hodler. So I'm not selling anything anytime soon for a long time when it comes to crypto. I am a big proponent of DeFi. I have staked a lot of my coins. Um, I, uh, you know, so I play in a lot of the DeFi protocols uh, as well, too. That's why I've been very positive about Ethereum. Well, let me say something positive about Ethereum. The biggest single problem it has at the L1 level is insanely high gas fees. This should pretty much kill it because anybody that wants to do any of that stuff, like stake it, buy it, you got to pay insane prices to do it. Yet it, uh, it hangs in there. In fact, it's outperforming Bitcoin right now. Now, next year, we're going to get the merge. We're going to get um, ETH 2.0, proof of stake as opposed to proof of work. That should help go a long way to alleviating the problem with gas fees and bring them down. And I think once that happens, I think that it will unleash a giant move in uh, Ethereum. And I also think that uh, what might be holding it back is that's a big ask, you know, to go from proof of stake to proof of work. We hope we'll get it right. It seems to be on case. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm thinking about it in, in, in the long term. I also think that what I'm seeing in the DeFi protocols um, excites me that it could very well be the next financial system. As far as Square, PayPal, even throwing Visa or MasterCard, I even tweeted this out a week or two ago. There is a very strong relationship, inverse relationship, between Ethereum's price and the payment companies. The higher Ethereum goes, the worse the payment companies get. You know, you thought DocuSign was bad, or maybe the ARC funds are bad. Go look at what the payment companies have been showing, whether it's Visa, MasterCard, Western Union, Square, PayPal. Oh, thank God, they've been an absolute horror show. And what correlates with them? As they go down, Bitcoin, I'm sorry, Ethereum goes mm. up. And I think that there's a perception out there that that is the new payment rails, new, not now, maybe not next year, but coming soon. And if they don't get off of the traditional payment rails, they're going to have a real problem on their hands. Hmm. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, we have a question uh, from TC. Does Jim watch the hedging in the options market? Um, in which hedging in which market, I guess, is really the question. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll try and answer the question this way. I don't watch the hedging in the options market if you're talking about equities, because what you've seen in equities is you've seen insane speculation in the, in the market yeah. via options. And now that sounds like a contrarian peak, but that's been the case for at least a year now. And right now, the, the most heavily traded options contract kind of vacillates between Tesla and the S&P 500. That's how big, that's how big those two are right now. Something like there's 2,500 equity options to trade, but the top 10 or 15 are like 40 or 50% of the volume. Um, right Does that now. worry so you, Jim? It did in January and it hasn't stopped. So yes, <laughs> in some respects, yes. But after it's gone on for 10 months, yeah, that's a problem, but you do, it's not a timing tool. It'll be part of the environment whenever we have a peak, but it won't be a, a tool that will tell you that we should have a peak. Uh, we have a we have a, another question from Emmanuel. Where do you see gold and the dollar going? Gold is a frustration like uh, cryptos. It should be doing better in an inflation of more environment, the elimination of transitory concerns about financial stability when it comes to more lockdowns too much leverage, and it just sits there. So Yeah, if not uh, now, when, right? That's what yeah, people exactly. are saying. Exactly. Uh, you know, you could, you could say, well, you just made a bullish case for gold. Yeah, and I could have said it a year ago, and it hasn't done anything. So I don't know what gold is waiting for um, right now. And so it's been a, a real frustration. You know, we 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 mentioned before when I said, what are they buying if they're, if they're selling all this stuff? And you said ca- they're sitting in cash. Um, is that the best option right now? And we have a question from Yo-Yo. How low do you think the S&P will go in the short term? I mean, is there more pain ahead? Yeah. Um, one of my mentors um, used to tell me that the market will move to the level of most confusion. <laughs> and so what is the level of most confusion right now? And I'm saying this as an idea. This is a sell-off right now not just this week, but maybe next week. Because what is every professional fund manager doing? Honey, look at the bonus I'm going to get. We could do X and Y and Z, and then it'll be like December of 2018. The market's crapped out in December, and it's then it's all gone. And there was a bit of a panic right in the Christmas Eve of 2018 because the whole year disappeared. I'm not saying the whole year is going to disappear. But oh, but that I feel like people have been feeling like that, Jim, right? Whether they're retail sitting at home, everyone's saying, should I take profit? Should I book profit? Should I sell this? Should I should I take some money out? I feel like whether well, it's professional or individual, people have been looking at those big gains and and just feeling like it was there was maybe a turn coming and, and they didn't want to lose that money that they made. All right. I you know, I'm not predicting, I'm I'm suggesting, so I don't want to be hung up on a very short-term call, but the SP's down four percent from its November 18th high. It has not had a 10% correction since March of 2020. It had a 9% correction last sum, a summer of 2020. <clears throat> and that was the closest it got. We're almost halfway to a 10% correction. I know that there's a, an expectation that 
you know, we can have a 10 percent correction next year. How about before December 31st? Famously, I went to a hedge fund many, many years ago, and I this was around the time of the financial crisis, was October. I laid out a concern that I had. It was October of 07. It was late, I laid out my concerns, and they turned to me and they said, is this a January problem? Because everybody's got big gains, and they just want to book the gains and get paid. And right now, everybody's hoping it will be a January problem. But what is the level of most confusion? What is the thing that trips up everybody? The correction has already begun, and it will continue for the next three weeks. I don't want this year to be upset. And that's why I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried that that's what we're rolling into right now. Mm. What, what happens to Tina? There is no alternative. I mean, do people come in and buy the dip or are we in a different regime right now? You know, I would say that people would come in and buy the dip. But what worries me is what we talked about a minute ago. Tech stocks are acting terrible right now. That's where the Tina crowd goes. That's yeah. where everybody jumps right now is when they when they think that the market's going to bottom. We all get long all the racy, non-profitable tech stocks. But they've just been taken behind the woodshed and just been pummeled right now. <clears throat> and so it, it worries me. You know, there is no alternative. Why are tech stocks down so much? The, the mm. Tina crowd buys that stuff. Mm. And so that's another tell that things aren't worried. I want to emphasize, I'm not suggesting the world's going to end. I'm not suggesting a recession. What I am suggesting is things don't look good right now. And there is a big worry. And if we're going to get more economic restrictions and the inflation numbers are going to go up and the yield curve is telling us something and tech stocks performing poorly are telling us something, there's messages out there. And we all looked through the payroll report today I mean, it's at 8.30 Eastern, everybody thought, wow, it's going to be a good day. Look at this payroll report. And we had exactly the opposite. There's a bunch of tells out here that we just don't want to listen to right now. Now, maybe the consensus will be right, and inflation is transitory, and the Fed will only tighten maybe one time next year, and the port situation is, is you know rectifying itself, and Omicron won't lead to widespread economic restrictions but I and just I see have the, the winning lottery way. ticket in my pocket, you know. Like yeah, I, I just see it. Yeah, I just see it the other way right now. So that's yeah. why I'm saying I don't always disagree with the consensus. Sometimes one thing or two things, but I find myself at a position where, God, I disagree with almost everything that yeah. the consensus thinks right now. We'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Right, and you and you might not be right on all of them, but at least it's it's an opportunity for people to you know take a pause before jumping in. And see how they feel about it. Do some homework on these different, you know, on these different issues. See if they agree, and then make a decision that they can live with. Because uh, at the end of the day, you got to put your head down at night, right? But it is. It, uh, it, it, it was feeling. Would, Go ahead. I was just going to say, everybody would, would 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 tell you, well, the market's oversold, and it's time to buy it. Yeah, and you said that yesterday when it was up seventy points. How'd right. that work out for you? We actually made a new low for the move today, uh, yeah. as well too. So, you know, I'm not saying that. Monday's going to be a down day or Tuesday's going to be a down day. It's just it's it's just too much complacency and too much everything's going to be okay. Or I'm going to book my bonus, so I'll worry about this in January. And somehow yeah. the market always has a way of not giving you what you want. Right. And we didn't even mention the VIX. The VIX is also reflecting that. That's had a big move. So right. the proceed with caution seems to be what's flashing today. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, we'll see what the next couple of weeks brings, but right now, it seems like I see more yellow and red signs than I see green signs for the moment. 
Jim, fantastic conversation. Thank you. We couldn't have had a better person on today. Thank you so much for guiding us through pretty much. I don't think we missed any market, maybe some of the metals, but we'll get to them next time. Right. Thank you. Jim, thanks so much. Uh, Thank you all also for watching. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday with full coverage of this market. In the meantime, the conversation continues over on the exchange. Take care. Good luck out there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.